Typhoon Mawar is picking up speed in the seas east of Taiwan as it continues to batter the east coast. The storm is barreling north-northeast at 8 kilometers per hour, doubling its earlier speed. The Central Weather Bureau says it may lift its sea alert as early as Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. As Typhoon Mawar sweeps through, the northeast and northern mountainous areas will see downpours Wednesday and Thursday, with the chance of localized extremely heavy rains. The east coast will see heavy rains, which will persist until Friday, even after the typhoon retreats. Also, be on the alert for powerful winds. Orchid Island is in line for hurricane force gusts of 12 on the Beaufort scale. Over at Green Island, winds could hit 11 on the scale. As the storm moves north, wind speeds are expected to intensify in the western half of the island. Turning now to the election. The quiet offshore county of Jingmen was all abuzz on Tuesday as Lai Qingde, Ke Wenzhe and Terry Goh appeared at the same local religious event. Goh and DPP presidential candidate Lai even shared a stage to deliver speeches. In his remarks, Lai stressed that he was a pacifist, but that the pursuit of peace required strength and determination to defend the country. They exchange a handshake at the opening of a religious procession in Jingmen. Vice President Lai Qingde and Honghai founder Terry Goh encountered each other in Jingmen. Go presented Lai with a copy of his cross-strait peace declaration. Lai replied that he too stood for peace. I'm a pacifist and a staunch supporter of democracy. I know well that peace is priceless and that there are no winners in a war. But it's also very clear to me that peace cannot be achieved simply by choosing it. We have to use our power and be determined to defend our nation, the safety of our people and their property. Only that is true peace. If we don't negotiate today, if we don't communicate, we will never have the possibility of peace. Despite not being nominated for president by the KMT, Go has kept himself firmly in the public eye. Walking around Jingmen, he was swarmed by supporters. Whatever office he runs for, we will all support him. The KMT indicated that they wanted me to lead its campaign office in Jinmen. I don't like that idea too much because we have different opinions. Go was accompanied by Jingmen County Council Speaker Hong Yun-dian and lawmaker Chen Yun-jen, both from the KMT. It was as if the KMT primary were still ongoing. Also at the religious ceremony was Taiwan People's Party candidate Ke Wen-je. He and Go shared a stage, fueling the rumors of a joint ticket in 2024. I want to make clear that my Jinmen trip was arranged more than a month ago, and we are guests here. If the host invited him too, then as a guest, I simply follow the host's arrangements. With key election figures gathering in Jingmen, campaign fervor is only heating up. The DPP's Lai Qingde has opened an official campaign office in Jingmen, touching off a political battle for the offshore county. 
At the inauguration ceremony, Lai promised to transform Jingmen from Taiwan's front line of defense into its gateway to the world. Lai reiterated his desire for peace, but said that this peace must leave Taiwan's sovereignty intact. He said he would never accept the so-called 1992 consensus or the One China Principle. Jingmen County has always been viewed as a KMT stronghold. But in 2020, the DPP's Tsai Lai ticket yielded better than expected results. The DPP won nearly 11,000 votes, representing a 57% increase compared to 2016. Its vote share also surpassed 20%, marking an all-time high for the DPP in the county. China has already begun to interfere in Taiwan's 2024 election, scholars say. At a panelist discussion hosted by the DPP, experts said China was attempting to influence the outcome, favoring candidates who would be compliant to Beijing. The panelists warned Taiwan's political parties not to become pawns in China's unification agenda. Just now, the moderator said that it's possible. I think we can remove the word possible and replace it with it's certain. The CCP is interfering with Taiwan's democratic election, and it's not a question of if, but how. The DPP's China Affairs Department held a panel discussion on cross-strait variables that may affect the coming election. According to Professor Dong Liwen, the CCP's objective is to ensure that the most compliant candidates get elected. Hou Youyi stands for nothing, not war, not peace, and not defense. Ke Wenzhou's cross-strait policy is plagiarized and then distorted. Vani Glasser said the CCP prefers Ke, which is true, but the true goal of the CCP is to bring about a Go-Ke alliance, because the CCP knows that Ke Wenzhou alone cannot win. The panel event drew a crowd of young people, including high school students, who were eager to ask questions. They asked how to avoid the influence of cognitive warfare in an era of information overload. Whichever politician is particularly entertaining or has a silver tongue, even if they indiscriminately manipulate the issues, they get votes. Of course, we are not saying that the DPP should follow suit and become a jester like other political parties. We still need to fight a war that's based on policy. U.S. skepticism or anti-Americanism consists of three parts. One, China is a great power. Two, Taiwan would lose a war. Three, the U.S. would run. The conclusion is that Taiwan should surrender. Don't be the one who opens the door to Chinese annexation of Taiwan. We're echoing what Chairman Lai Qingde said, that the essence of cross-strait conflict is the confrontation between democracy and autocracy. Scholars said the CCP was working to fuel suspicion toward the U.S. and to fracture Taiwanese identity. They urged candidates in the coming election not to open the door for unification. A new technology promises to revolutionize the freezing process for food products such as shrimp. Taiwan imports tens of thousands of tons of freshwater prawns from Southeast Asia every year. With the new peptide-based freezing technology, frozen shrimps don't get dehydrated and retain more of their integrity and taste. A worker opens a box and unpacks frozen giant freshwater prawns. They are shelled and go straight into the pan. 
guanyin tea infused prawns, Thai prawn soup, prawns and spinach in a cheese gratin. All these dishes starve frozen freshwater prawns imported from Vietnam or Thailand. Peel back the shells and you can see just how fresh they are. The meat has a firm quality but with springiness. Their flavor after defrosting is sweeter and better than our normal prawns produced in the standard way. They even have the springiness and appealing color of fresh prawns after defrosting. A biotech company has developed a new peptide freezing technology, which can rapidly freeze foods. Prawns transported this way can retain more than 95% of the structure and keep for five years. And the technology works for more than just seafood. Giant freshwater prawns can't be put in ice. As soon as they're frozen, their soluble proteins and flesh start to disintegrate. Our antifreeze peptides mainly work to inhibit the growth of ice crystals, so we've solved the recrystallization problem which nobody could manage before. We can freeze milk and eggs, which is relevant to the egg shortage Taiwan experienced recently. Once they are defrosted, the eggs retain their taste, and their yolks and albumins don't break. Only about 11,000 tons of white-legged shrimp are grown in Taiwan annually, not enough to meet the demand for shrimp. About 25,000 to 36,000 tons of prawns must be imported each year to fill the gap. This new technology could make those imports taste, feel, and even look much closer to their original glory. Today, we take you to meet Taiwanese award-winning artist Wang Yiting. In 2020, she began exploring Taiwan's coastlines and she began, she began to imagine how these seashores may have been perceived by each regime that has controlled Taiwan, such as the Qing Dynasty in the 19th century. She thought about how these perspectives have been incorporated into maps of Taiwan's borders over the years. In her latest solo exhibition, Wang showcases her findings. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to Wang to find out more. This artwork, Partial View of Taiwan, was created by artist Wang Yiting. This piece only showcases a partial view of the island of Taiwan. Wang says the work was inspired by the Kangxi Imperial Atlas of China from the 17th century. It is inside five glass spheres. There is a sculpture that looks like half of Taiwan. In fact, according to Kangxi's map, there was only half of Taiwan at that time. Using the Kangxi map drawn in the 17th century, I imagined our other half of Taiwan, and whether or not the uncharted part holds out more possibilities. Therefore, I used the other half of the glass as a longitudinal and latitudinal line, and then divided it to draw the imaginary other half of Taiwan. Another piece constructed by Wang is called Coastline Number no. 6, Coastline Number no. 7. She printed different coastlines of Taiwan, folded them, and put them into metal plates. I folded it to experiment with the sea level, which looks flat. Now it can be transformed into a bigger space with different connections at different points in time. Wang is an award-winning artist. She holds a master's in fine arts from the Marcel Mediterranean College of Art and Design in France and specializes in sculpture and painting. In 2020, Wang set out to explore Taiwan and the shifts and changes related to territorialization and to territorialization along the coastline. Wang conducted much field research in Taiwan. In her latest exhibition, Sea Rhythms, she showcased her observations through videos, sculptures, installations, and prints. After a three-year survey of the coastlines and various parts of Taiwan, on-site scenes gradually turned abstract. 
I explored a lot of places on the northern coast. I also visited seascapes in Hualien and participated in a workshop in the south. Wang's solo exhibition will be held at Taipei's Museum of Contemporary Art till June 25th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Su Yusen in Taipei. Computex Taipei is back in full form. For the first time since COVID, this once-a-year tech extravaganza is back to its in-person format. Top officials, including President Tsai Ing-wen, attended its opening ceremony on Tuesday. In her onstage remarks, Tsai emphasized Taiwan's global tech leadership. She said it was important to leverage democratic values to foster growth in the global tech industry. Taiwan's high-tech industry plays a very important role in the global supply chain. Taiwan and the U.S. have jointly announced the content of the first batch of agreements under the U.S.-Taiwan's 21st Century Trade Initiative, representing the most comprehensive trade pact between Taiwan and the U.S. since 1979. Hailing from 130 countries around the world, including Taiwan, more than 30,000 buyers and professionals are registered to visit Computex. Our business opportunities this year should be a multiple of last year's. The theme of this year's Computex is Together We Create. The show will focus on high-performance computing, smart applications, next-gen telecommunications, virtual reality, innovation in startups, and renewable energy. Some 1,000 exhibitors from 26 countries are participating in the trade show. Taiwan is working on a training simulator for its first domestically produced submarine. According to the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology, this simulator will be built for a sub-prototype that will be ready for testing this September. Over the past 28 years, the Institute has developed 240 simulators for everything from fighter jets to naval ships. The simulators let soldiers practice skills in real scenarios while cutting down ammunition use and reducing risk of injury. In recent years, the institute has also been applying AI to its training systems. Soldiers in full gear open fire against a target. Elsewhere, troops administer emergency treatment to a wounded comrade. It's all taking place in a war simulation room developed by the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology. The simulator can reduce fuel and ammunition consumption and allow soldiers to repeatedly execute battle skills. It can lower the risk of injury and enable high-risk training, such as emergency operations. It can also reduce damage to equipment, effectively decreasing wear and tear. It also breaks away from the limitations of a real battlefield. It can be used to show real scenarios while avoiding disputes between the military and civilians while maintaining secrecy. The Institute has been developing simulation technology for almost 30 years. It's already produced 240 different systems for land, sea, air, and shooting training, as well as special scenarios. It will develop a simulation for the indigenous submarine prototype due for completion in September. Based on our assessments, we believe that the development of this technology is feasible. We will incorporate applications to fit the needs of the military. Once the project protocol is complete, our institute will be very happy to take on this task. Artificial intelligence has also been incorporated into military training. For example, it's applied in unmanned aerial vehicles, in target recognition for drones. We incorporated AI technologies into things like that. As for the introduction of AI to training elements, 
tournaments, we currently have some projects underway, including smart air combat and tabletop wargame systems, as well as drone combat systems. All of these are under development. With technology quickly evolving, Taiwan's military is keeping pace to maximize Taiwan's combat capabilities. Evergreen Marine has announced cash dividend of 70 NT per share based on record revenue and profit in 2022. Revenue rose 28% year over year to reach 627 billion NT with earnings per share around 87 NT. But the shipper's first quarter financials were less impressive. Q1 revenue was 66.8 billion NT down 60.88% year over year. Company executives acknowledged the impact of the Russia-Ukraine war and inflation which dampened demand for shipping. Looking ahead, the company expects the second quarter to be better than the first. It projects a gradual stabilization in the second half of the year. Studies show that learning to play the piano can help preserve cognitive functions in older adults. A long-term care facility in Taipei has launched Taiwan's first music therapy school in Taiwan, where award-winning pianists give free lessons to patients with dementia. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. The teacher patiently gives a lesson on the piano. Beautiful melodies ring through the center. The teacher performs familiar folk songs encouraging the audience to sing along to tunes such as The Moon Represents My Heart and The Torment of a Flower. A total of 17 pianos were donated to the center. The center will hold free piano lessons every Wednesday morning. A first-of-its-kind music school has launched in Taipei, offering free lessons to older adults with dementia and other disabilities. It's my first time playing the piano. The class made me happy. I'm very happy. Free piano lessons are offered at this long-term care facility in Beitou every Wednesday morning. Teachers include the Juilliard School alum Gwyneth Chen, who was the youngest winner of the Pogorelich International Piano Competition. There's also Amy Tsai, the chair of the Juilliard Performing Arts Association Taiwan, and Pei Di, the director of the music department at Suchow University. In addition to providing classical piano courses, the teachers also perform songs and hold karaoke parties. The third part, the most interesting part, is a live karaoke band where I'm playing Taiwanese pop songs or English pop songs and the elders sing along. So this is all for the elders to prevent Alzheimer's and also if they already have Alzheimer's to maintain at where they are now and by playing the piano you stimulate the fingertips and it stimulates the corpus callosum in your brain which connects the right and left brain. We have to thank so many people to wanted to uh, donate this piano. Elderly they say they never touch the piano, they would never uh, have this lesson before, not even their family members. But actually, when they sit on the, in front of the piano, they're very happy. Taiwan is set to become a super-age society in 2025. Studies have shown that learning to play the piano can help stimulate the brain and delay the progression of dementia. 
Besides medication, there are other ways to encourage older adults, such as by encouraging them to exercise and by interacting with them. Learning can delay dementia and disability. Music is important. This Beethoven facility is the first long-term facility to provide music therapy in Taiwan. It hopes that they can create meaningful change in the lives of dementia patients through the power of music. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Chen Shenhan in Taipei. Now we turn to the topic of employment equality. Finding work as a person with a disability can often be hard in Taiwan, but local governments are trying to create new routes into work for disabled people. In New Taipei, the local government has partnered with a business to open a shelter factory. Its mission to make soap. It provides stable jobs and training to people with visual impairments. So far, the project has been a big success, and officials hope it will inspire more companies to throw out stereotypes about disabled workers. Workers stir soap continuously and evenly, their gaze fixed on each step of the process. The Love Happiness Shelter Factory in New Taipei offers employees a stable work environment and professional training. <laughs> They take care over every detail. In soap making, you can't cut corners. There are 11 steps in hand making a bar of soap, from mixing the ingredients to filling molds, cutting the bars out, filing the edges, and packing them. These multicolored natural soaps are made with premium virgin olive oil and other simple ingredients. Is there a place for them to settle down and start a career after school? Is there a place where they can fulfill their potential? Here, not only can they get on with their careers, they can also give back to society. Facilities designed for visually impaired workers are everywhere in the factory, like this handrail to help blind people navigate the room. The considerate design enables employees to settle into independent working lives. The shelter employees work here for a long time, and they certainly have professionalism. And they are more stable than the average worker. So we hope that every company can offer job opportunities to people with disabilities. I think their job performance will surprise us. Bars of soap are lined up to dry. As the workers here produce high-quality soaps, they make short work of stereotypes about disability and create fulfilling, independent lives.